Looking for practical information to help you make decisions about your diagnosis, whether DCIS, early or metastatic breast cancer? BCNA's My Journey features articles, webcasts, videos and podcasts about breast cancer during treatment and beyond to help you, your friends and family as you progress through your journey. It also features a symptom tracker to help you manage the changing symptoms you may encounter during your own breast cancer experience. My Journey. Download the app or sign up online at myjourney.org.au. Let's be upfront about life on the other side of coronavirus and what it means for people with breast cancer. This is another special episode of Upfront and we're going to address some of the concerns many might have as federal and state governments begin to ease restrictions that were put in place to reduce the spread of COVID-19. And whilst it's good news that our lives are on the way to hopefully returning to some sense of normality, there is still a lot of uncertainty and perhaps even increased anxiety for those having treatment or women planning to have breast reconstruction. Joining us is BCNA CEO Kirsten Pilati and BCNA board member, surgical oncologist and specialist breast surgeon, Professor Bruce Mann. It's quite a mouthful. Bruce. What a man. What a man. <laughs> what a team. <laughs> what, what a team. What, what, what can one say? <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, you can start with uh, perhaps talking about what are some of the concerns that women having treatment uh, or considering sure. surgery are feeling as we start to come out of lockdown? Yeah, these these are really good questions. I might start with the biggest concern that I have, which is that there's a level of, of a certain amount of fear about the, um, about the health system out there. Uh, this has been seen in various areas. Um, emergency departments are reporting fewer presentations. Uh, cardiologists are reporting fewer people presenting with, with heart, heart disease, acute heart disease. And certainly at our site, we have noticed fewer people presenting with uh, breast symptoms that may be breast cancer. And we've had a reduction in the number of, of cases of breast cancer that we've been operating on and treating. Um, I think it's, it's understandable. Early on, uh, the message went out that we, we had to stay home. That was a good message. Um, the message was that we were concerned that the health system would be overwhelmed. Uh, fortunately, that hasn't happened. Uh, and I, I think that there are probably people out there who have a suspicion that they should see their GP or they've been told that they should have a, a mammogram or they've been told they should go along uh, to see a specialist and they haven't done it. Uh, the biggest message I have is if someone is in that situation, it is safe to do it and please do it uh, because our system has is coping very well. We have the capacity uh, to continue to de deliver top quality care, but we need those people to come along uh, to be diagnosed and start treatment to do that. So it's slightly different from what you said, but it is the thing that's on top of my mind right now. Mm. And I think that the role that everyone listening can play, because quite often we're talking directly to people who've been diagnosed, is that they can play a really important part for us to get out that public message mm. of that if you do see or feel a change in your breast, then encourage your family and friends to get to your GP. And 
we know that women put their health last and this will be a very good example of women worrying about everyone else except themselves and right now the only reason to leave home is to go and have uh, any symptoms or worries checked by your GP. So this is also for women both that might for a first time detect something unusual but also fear of recurrence? Sure. Those sort of... Oh, absolutely. Many, you know, the reason that people, well, women who, who've had cancer uh, continue to, to go to the doctor to get a check-up is because things can occur. Fortunately, they don't happen very often. But if someone has, has been through cancer and has a symptom that needs to be investigated, has a lump or a new pain, she must seek, seek care. Now, that care... The way it's delivered might be a little different. It might be a phone call. Um, but in the end, hospitals are open, clinics are open, we are seeing patients and we can we can deliver the care that's needed. Just emphasising the point. And, and I think for people who are on treatment, any changes in temperature or anything, you're, you must activate your care plan. And if you don't have a um, very clear plan with your health team then you need to call them and put one in place. So telehealth is one of the yep. things that has been expediated with COVID-19. Could we see that as, the, as a silver lining of this and do you think it will continue? Uh, I think it is... Yes, there's no doubt it, there's a silver lining there. Uh, there's no doubt that much of the medical care that's delivered to, to breast cancer patients and others can be effectively delivered uh, without an in-person consultation. Um, we have to be very careful about it. Um, not everything can be delivered by telehealth and somehow we need to be sure that, that you know, the care that's needed is delivered. Um, the, the, I think the, the woman who is is very happy that there are no problems at all. She's on her medicine without side effects. She has felt no lumps. She has no new symptoms. She has a mammogram. It's normal. That can be delivered over telehealth. The woman who is struggling either with symptoms, with the psychological impact of the treatment, of a fear, of a concern um, that something might not be right, she must still see the doctor. So there is a, a definite silver lining. One of the jobs that we have, and I'm sure BCNA is going to be able to help with this, is to work out for whom telehealth is, is better and who should still have the, have the traditional approach. And we are seeing when we work with other cancer groups and, in fact, other chronic illnesses, there are some definite challenges in telehealth. And, yes, we have advocated for telehealth for a long time um, and we are seeing some real benefits in um, people being able to get quick information over the phone and access to their health professional. But we also know that there are many challenges for the older patients and also where um, cultural and linguistically diverse communities. So where we're having some translational problems. And I think that what this um, time has provided us with is a very good snapshot 
of what are the benefits of telehealth and what are some of the challenges and risks that we need to mitigate if this is going to continue going forward. And I think um, everyone, BCNA has just written some consumer tips that's on the My Journey online tool to help you prepare for telehealth meetings. But we have also written to all cancer centres to say we do not want uh, information being delivered to a woman over the phone like a breast cancer diagnosis. That would simply take us back to the 90s where it was acceptable behaviour. It is not okay to tell someone that their cancer has progressed over a telephone or that they have um, breast cancer. And so we want to work with the healthcare systems to say, these are the parameters that you need to deliver telehealth in. And yes, it absolutely can be a fantastic source, but it still has a lot of work that we need to, to be working with the system on. And the other real silver lining we've seen in telehealth is around the GPs. And uh, I think... COVID-19 has allowed us to see the very important role that a GP plays in a woman's diagnosis. If you or a man's diagnosis, if you have been diagnosed and do not have a trusted GP, it's the most important step you can do very early on um, is to find a GP that can work with you and actually um, help you navigate the system as well. Mm. With restrictions starting to be eased a bit and in varying degrees around the country. Is it right that there might be an increased anxiety because more people are going to be out and about and some women may be a little bit anxious about leaving home whereas before they've been receiving everything by either telehealth or uh, have been truly isolated because they want to protect themselves? I think people will need to um, consider their own individual situation before uh, changing or unlocking themselves, if you like, uh, because everyone's situation is going to be different and there is no doubt we have not eliminated COVID-19, so people are still going to need to minimise their risk, social distancing as, um, you know, we we are allowed to have more freedom of movement, but also about being really clear with family and friends about helping you stay protected during this time. You are still going to be at an increased risk. You, um, Those people in treatment um, still need to take really good care of themselves and that includes uh, the people around them as well. well. One of the things that people will notice when they do venture out is that that it is not business as usual. Uh, waiting rooms in GP surgeries, in radiology departments, in, in hospitals are very empty. Um, there's a, a lot of temperature checking going on. So uh, uh, great care is being taken to make sure that people who are sick don't inadvertently go. Staff uh, are being encouraged not to attend work if they are at all unwell. So. It's not possible to completely eliminate any risks, but these places are far safer than they used to be. BCNA's Helpline provides a free, confidential phone and email service for people diagnosed with breast cancer. BCNA's experienced team will help with your questions and concerns and provide relevant resources and services. Call 1800 500 258 or email contact at bcna.org.au. Surgery, elective surgery, uh, different categories are now being reintroduced. Where does that leave 
uh, our women wanting uh, delayed reconstruction or immediate reconstruction yeah. as part of a mastectomy? So overall during this time we've been fortunate that we have not ever stopped the, the category one, the most urgent uh, surgery, the surgery for cancers. Uh, in other places it's quite different. Colleagues from uh, the US and the, the UK have been delaying surgery by whatever means possible. We haven't had to do that. Um, the big changes have have occurred or the restrictions have been around reconstruction as you point out and initially there was some confusion around it in some places all reconstruction was ceased uh, at our site it wasn't we we were still uh, doing an occasional immediate reconstruction for a woman with cancer that's now generally available so where previously immediate reconstruction was appropriate and available. Uh, I, I think it's being done. I obviously can't check everywhere. Uh, the area that will be probably last to come back is the delayed reconstruction. So that's the woman who's had a mastectomy as part of her treatment. Treatment's complete, she's well, and she's decided that, that she would like to have a reconstruction uh, and is on the waiting list for that. Uh, in the category of category one, two and three, with one being the most urgent, those procedures are category three and I think they will remain category three. So they're not being done and until there are substantial changes, I don't expect they will be. Um, from a what's most important for our health system to deliver, I agree with that. Um, from the, the BCNA point of view, uh, we and others have put a huge amount of work into making that available and inevitably the waiting list, the queues getting longer, that's something that we will have to address later on. Yeah, and it's something that we will continue to monitor and I would really encourage anyone listening to um, let us know where they may be having problems. I mean, we were experiencing a few years ago up in far north Queensland waiting lists that were well over five years, which is completely unacceptable. It's unacceptable within the guidelines of, of category three, which is that you will have your surgery within 365 days, but it is completely unacceptable to us. And one of the challenges is going to be this new normal that we are going to experience, uh, we need to really, as BCNA, look at where reconstruction fits in with um, the support that women need post a breast cancer diagnosis. So for those women, particularly in North Queensland, where the delay was extensive anyway, we have no idea how far that's going to be further pushed out as a result? No, but we are... Uh, putting things in place to be able to measure some of that so that we can feed back into uh, the healthcare system in real time what are these delays and uh, you know I think um, no one would question that people with a cancer need to be prioritised over reconstruction but we absolutely know for some women to be able to move back to life post the diagnosis and reconstruction is very important and we have never agreed that it should be considered elective um, but we need to be pragmatic about what it is that can and can't be done in the healthcare system given COVID-19. What about allied health? Are you encouraging people to still, you know, use that now? 
Absolutely. And uh, I think one of the advantages of telehealth now is that some of the psychological support means that you can actually gain access to people who are specialising in cancer who might not live around the corner. So people need to really think about the, the benefits of being able to access someone who is skilled in the area of cancer um, around psychological uh, impacts. But I also know that physios and lymphedema specialists are starting to reopen. So it's important for you to um, be dealing with any of your side effects promptly. And uh, we need the system to be able to do that for them. Um, fully, fully support that. The, the physio and the lymphedema, if, if women do have shoulder problems or arm problems uh, after their surgery, the idea of just letting them wait for three months is, is, is not right. Um, you know, they're things that need to be managed um, promptly and then we will get better outcomes. The other really good benefit that of Australia managing COVID-19 is we didn't see the redeployment of breast care nurses um, into other parts of the healthcare system. So it's important for people to reach out and make sure that they've made contact with their breast care nurse. If they don't know who their breast care nurse is, then you can call our um, helpline on 1800 500 258 and we can connect you with your local breast care nurse because they're a very important part in making sure that they uh, can help you in all parts other than uh, just the surgery and um, chemo. Just finally, what is the optimal care pathway and has it changed now? So I'll probably get Bruce to talk a little more in the technical aspects, but the optimal care pathway is really... um, work that has been done to bring all the evidence of breast cancer but in fact it happens across a lot of cancers to say if a person is diagnosed with breast cancer what should they experience and it's something that uh, the health professionals have all agreed to um, and it helps people to know uh, what is the best treatment that they should be getting based on the best evidence and It's one of those documents that very few people kind of know about but is actually the foundation of all of our advocacy work. So when we did the State of the Nation uh, a few years ago, we used the optimal care pathway as as an ability for us to measure whether people in Australia uh, who are being diagnosed are receiving the very best care. And so the pathway based on, um, and Bruce, you may know more in detail, but based on what we've seen in the Australian healthcare system, there are very few locations that should not be delivering the optimal care pathway right now in Australia. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's a fantastic initiative. It's it's not law, like it's it's not that, you know, if, if a hospital doesn't do this, it'll get fined or whatever, but it is a consensus document um, that goes through the journey of breast and other cancers and says at various stages this is what should happen. And and it's it's very good because if if it's demonstrated that somewhere that that's not happening, then uh, the optimal care pathway is there and, and the question is, well, why not? You know, this, this, is, this is, is what should happen. Reconstruction, uh, we were talking about before, uh, is quite uh, prominent in that. And a lot of the things that Kirsten was talking about before about how how care should be, how diagnosis should be delivered, um, the allied health, all of all of those things are within there. It's it's a it's an agreement. It's almost a consensus document of what we as a community expect of our health system and that our health system should be able to deliver. And from BCNA's perspective, what 
we have then done is taken those guidelines, if you like, and put them into the My Journey online tool that's relatable to a consumer. So you won't necessarily see the optimal care pathway documented in the My Journey online tool, but the information we are giving you, the questions you should be asked, asking, for example, am I being seen by a multidisciplinary team? Um, you know, are there out-of-pocket costs? All of those are in the optimal care pathway. So we've really translated that pathway into the My Journey online tool in a way that's going to be helpful for you to help you navigate and make sure that you are getting the optimal care pathway every time. So even though we're in still in uncharted uh, waters, people can still feel confident that they can get the, the best care yeah. and what they need. I, I think that's, that sums the message up, that our health system is it's different, it will remain different, but it is open for business and we can deliver optimal care. And if you feel like you're not experiencing that, then that's when our role steps in. We want people to reach out to us so that we can see where some of the challenges are in the system and go in and help to find a solution that's based on the patient's needs rather than the needs of the healthcare system. Thank you, Kirsten and Bruce. We remain in unprecedented times and, of course, BCNA is committed to providing the most up-to-date and relevant information for our members. Don't forget to download BCNA's online tool, a wonderful resource that has all the latest advice on COVID-19 but also delivers information specific to your diagnosis. You'll find it on myjourney.org.au. Our helpline is also operating on extended hours to assist you. For any individual concerns, please contact your health professional. This special COVID episode was empowered by Red Energy. I'm Kelly Curtin. Thank you for being upfront with us. 